0: Batdorf, uh, the founder of Get Shit Done, will not disappoint. Uh, I met Alex at a meetup for VCs and angels and founders to try to figure out how we could fix the leaky pipeline for black and brown founders uh, and VCs. And Alex has done an incredible job of focusing not just on getting founders money, which is easier than some people might think, believe it or not but how to get traction and continue to scale a business and grow until you hit that million-dollar mark. And I know that Alex has a lot in store for us today, so just take a step back and listen to what she has to say about her journey uh, from founder to accelerator to general community builder. Hope you like enjoy getting it. warmed up so we can yep. skip the yep. formalities, and why don't you just go ahead and tell us uh, where you grew up.
1: I grew up in the Seattle area. Um, my family looks like the United Nations. So my mom's African-American. My dad was white. Um, and I kind of grew up in a hodgepodge of different, I think, I would say otherness, but where otherness was like lit, like being other is kind of like the thing. Um, and so I kind of didn't really understand um a lot of things around let's say segregation until I moved to Chicago for undergrad where people would constantly ask me like what are you and I'm like what is going on um but yeah so I I grew up in the Seattle area with just a really mixed up family um and my idea of what I could accomplish and achieve um I mean the the sky was the limit so I'm really grateful for that because I mean I saw so many different types of people doing
0: well. Didn't matter what you look like. Got it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, Seattle, so from coast to coast. Uh, so now kind of tell us about the tech background that you have and I'm curious to know sure. as well because as you just move through the internet with things that have you or your brands on it, it all seems very consistent, very high tech, very overwhelming in terms of you can't really get away from you know accessing everything that you have. So if you can, just tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you got to to this point.
1: Oh, my God. I love that so much because I literally get texts or just emails and people that are like, why are you flooding my timeline? And it's not even me. It's just it's like it's get shit done. Plus our network. We have like over, I mean, nearly 200 amazing people within our network who We classify as mentors, um, investors and experts who are all as committed as we are to improving outcomes, um, for female entrepreneurs and and mainly moving them through the pipeline towards building million dollar and up companies. But in terms of how I got there, in terms of tech background, like I'm not a technical founder, but all my companies have been technical. Um, my first two companies were in the fashion tech space. Um, I did have CTOs, um, who were co-founders at the time. The first one ended up failing. The second one um, sold in Q4 of 2019. Um, and I, I'm more of a visionary. Like I, I might not be the one that's building the tech, but I know specifically what the market needs. And here are the functionalities. Like I like building shit. I like being able to talk to people and understanding what is it that you really want and need Um, Because I think there's two different things because consumers can tell you this is what I want and what I think I need. But a lot of times it's not necessarily in alignment with what their actual needs are and what needs to happen for them to solve a problem. That's why startups are fucking awesome. Um, So, yeah, that's my technical background. It's like I'm more of a visionary that knows how to put plugs in place so I can get the job done.
0: Okay, you mentioned it briefly and there's always like a point or a moment, or at least there is in my head, maybe not in everybody's head, but where, just tell us what is Get Shit Done and where did this idea come from, the birth, the origin, when was it conceived?
1: Yeah, so it was conceived, I would say it's over, it wasn't like a a one moment thing. It was like over time. Um, And it started from, you know, scaling my previous company, and being in the very small subset of women, one um, as a woman but also a black woman, and then two um as a woman who has re- or who has scaled a company beyond a million because only one point seven percent of women have done it, and so you get into this little like little bubble where everyone 's trying to tokenize you, come speak at this, come do that da-da-da-da. and it 's just like i'm tired of hearing my own story, again. and also i 'm tired of hearing everybody else's story that we keep recycling um and the other thing was, I'm like, why don't we have more women represented here? Um, and what I saw was um, we weren't moving women through the pipeline to get to that, that space, to be able to get to the moment where they are building scalable businesses, where they are doing something. And when I looked into the data, um, the biggest problem that I saw, even though we continue to tell founders that the issue is, is you're not getting capital for your businesses. But nine out of 10 times, capital is not the problem it is traction traction is the problem problem. no one owes you a check what they owe you is if you've done some dope shit and you've gotten demand from the market and you're able to say look I don't need this check we're going to hit numbers regardless but this will add fuel to the fire that's when it becomes an opportunity but no one owes you anything and so I realized we were perpetuating this story that oh the way you'll scale is if you go get a check from an investor No, that's not how it works. you know. And when I looked even deeper, the issue is that women make up 40% of entrepreneurs, but we only constitute 4% of revenues. We're not able to get over a hump. And I hate when people take things out of context. The first thing is when we talk about the capital conversation, the capital conversation, especially when it comes to institutional capital, is problematic because we zone in and zoom in on one thing And then forget about the holistic picture. The holistic picture is that there's like 0.004% of people that get access to venture capital. Of that 2% goes to women. Is that a problem? Absolutely. But holistically speaking, it's not accessible for most people. And then we come up with things like, well, black female entrepreneurs are starting companies at a higher rate. Yes, cool, cool, cool. But also it's because they don't get upward mobility in corporate settings because they are othered. Um, And then outside of that, when they are starting companies, black female entrepreneurs are the lowest performing group of women founders. On average, we're doing around 24,000 in revenue a year in our businesses. That's a problem. And so we take all these things and say, like, you go, sis, look at black girls doing it, and da da da. but But it doesn't matter if a lot of us are doing it, if we're not getting help to move through the pipeline. It doesn't matter if you know, we have X amount of women not raising capital if none of us can get past a certain point in terms of traction. So that's where Get Done came from. It was a collection of experiences being tokenized, hearing about these really sob stories about female entrepreneurs not being able to scale successfully. I'm like, because we're looking at the surface and not trying to remedy the system. Yeah. And so that's where it came about is like, how do we make sure we empower women to get to that level, and it's about helping them hit traction goals, establishing um, traction. What does it look? Build sustainable traction. And that's where Get Shit Done came from.
0: Got it. And you kind of, I guess, just mentioned it. I understand the theory behind it much better now. In the origin, what is the technical solution without giving up the secret sauce or the special formula? What is that technical solution that you're providing through Get Shit Done?
1: Yeah, we provide frameworks to help our founders get focused. The number one. The number one trait of successful founders, and this is literally backed by science, um, the number one trait of successful founders that build successful companies is their ability to get focused on the right thing at the right time. And a lot of times, and you'll hear this, is um, squirrel syndrome or shiny object syndrome. With founders, everything in our company, it's like a baby. Every parent think thinks everything about their baby is beautiful. But like that that's not necessarily... The, like, what's important right now may not be important in six months. And what's important in six months may not be important right now, but it's being able to understand how to navigate that and make those decisions. Cause the fear for founders becomes, if I drop one thing, everything might fall. And it's being able to have that confidence and know how to navigate and say, actually, this is what I need to get focused on right now. So I can, to the next level like what my coach tells me is like you need to get over one mountain in order to get to the next one and climb the next one so that's really we we provide proprietary frameworks that helps our our founders get focused on the right things that enables them to build that traction that's really where where our um our, our tech comes in
0: okay so that is a gem and i'm sure you're looking for jewels in terms of people who are coming into your program but given that there's a lot required from people who who sort of makes your who are your best customers like who are the best clients? Who are the best founders? Who's the best? Who are the best people for your program?
1: Um, you have to have traction, and the 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 definition of what traction is um, is there, there's a few things that can define it. So the first is always always going to be revenue. You know, having revenue and some even if you have one customer, like if you were able to show that there was some demand. What we do is one our 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 company, we have an accelerator program um, and we're about to uh, roll out a traction membership community. But the number one thing that we do best and who we serve best is Get You Done helps those that already have something that we can help you accelerate. But if you don't, we're not necessarily an incubator. We're not necessarily the best served to help you get it off the ground. What we're best served at is helping you. Once you have it, most women get stuck. That's where we serve best. So our best clients and and our best customers are really the ones who already have some form of traction, whether that's revenue, whether that's users. It doesn't have to be a ton. It's just that you've already put it out in the market and you've gotten some feedback. It could be a a dope piece of technology. We have founders who are in our accelerator program right now that don't necessarily have um, customers yet, but they've um, tested it and they piloted it. They've got an investment in. They have built this dope proprietary piece of technology that's traction they've already done a lot of the work so um for us where we really really serve female founders best is when you already have something that we can help you scale
0: got it that's that's fantastic so i know you have your hand in you know the founders cookie jar the investor cookie jar the accelerator cookie jar and, and and maybe just like essentially becoming a hub uh here in the new york city area for tech and VCs but what role in your own words do you see yourself playing in the local tech ecosystem?
1: I would say we're we're curators of access. So the issue with the ecos- the entrepreneurial ecosystem in general is that there's so much happening but it's all happening in silos. And it's such a missed opportunity. Like there's so many people that are like, we're gonna be the champions over here for women entrepreneurs, but everyone's kind of just doing it themselves. And it's just like, I don't have any of doing cool. this by myself because it's not gonna happen if we each try to do it individually, what I care about And, and what I'm also infamously, infamously known for, for people who know me well is I'm a connector. Mm. I know how to curate connections very well. That is one of my superpowers. Literally, I think in connections. If I'm having a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, I need this, da-da-da. If I can't help them, I'm thinking of a resource or I'm thinking of someone I can connect them to. My brain already functions that way. So basically, Get Shit Done is a a map of how my brain operates and how I think that the ecosystem needs to be able to operate together. So we curate um, that access. So instead of us saying, we're going to just create all this shit that you can use, and it's just going to be get shit done. It's like, no, 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 no. We're going to provide you the things that we're good at. We're good at helping you get traction. But if you need other stuff, whether that is we can introduce you to investors, We can intru- they don't need to be our investors. They don't need to be, if you need crowdfunding, like we partner with those people. So we be, then become... A hub for you to then go to. But we're not trying to do it all ourselves. So we're curators of that access and connections.
0: Wonderful. And it's a great city to do it. It's a it's a nascent scene, as I'm sure you're aware. If you haven't already, I'm going to ask you to put your expert hat on and, and kind of bring us around the country. How does New York City's local tech startup scene kind of compare to others? You mentioned Uh, When, uh, you know, I mentioned to you that I'm invested in Memphis, I'm invested in Charlotte, North Carolina, not yet in New York. Just kind of tell us, what are some of the differences that you see in terms of opportunity and also, you know, in terms of of, of weaknesses or strengths based on the geography?
1: I mean, I really like the fact that you're not invested in New York. Um, And people in New York might hate that, but whatever. Um, (laughs) The end of the day, it's that the... The bias in terms of numbers, like they have like reports on this, where the capital comes from, where the capital comes from. In the U.S., the number one is obviously California You have Silicon Valley. That's the number one hub. The second is New York. Um, There's so much exorbitant capital. Like I tell founders a lot, um, the issue is not the capital. There is an exorbitant amount of capital. I have friends starting funds every other day, it feels like. I'm getting a, like, that's why I'm connected to so many like VCs and investors who they're trying to fill their pipeline and they know that we get founders to a point that they're ready for the capital to be deployed there. The issue is not the capital. The issue is founder readiness because it goes back to what does it look like to be, to be in a position to get institutional capital or to get capital from an angel investor. You need to have something to show for it because it needs to be fueled with a fire. You need to have already figured something out. You're not, you, they're not meant to come in to help you start the fire. That's not, that's not where investor dollars are best spent. Um, so when it comes to New York, I think there's such an opportunity for founders who are here um, to raise capital. The issue obviously becomes access to networks. So one thing that I constantly say is like, everyone needs to identify their privileges. There's two that I have. Um, that I speak publicly about is the first is I went to a fancy ass undergrad, one of the top schools in the world. Did I come for money? Absolutely not. Did my family invest in my previous companies and any of my companies? Absolutely not. They gave me a hug and they said, good luck, (laughs) you know, but as soon as I got into this fancy ass school, I got into that opened up access to a network I wouldn't otherwise have had. And I can probably say the majority of our investments from my previous company, it's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I can we can probably trace back the majority of those investments somehow linking it back to University of Chicago somehow like that. That's that's the, the first thing. And the second thing is I'm a light skinned black woman. So I've become very ambiguous in certain rooms and I get kind of a pass because people are either like, oh, you're OK, black person or it's. Um, well, I don't really know what you are, so okay, it's okay, you know? Um, And I think those are things that we have to acknowledge because if one of my darker sisters try to go in and do and have conversations maybe that I would have, she might not be received the same way. So I know that I can speak a certain way and it might not seem as, even though I am very aggressive, it might not seem as aggressive because those are the biases that exist in people's mind. Um, So I think there is a lot of opportunity in New York. I think there's a lot of opportunity to raise capital here, but understanding that networks are the most important when it comes to raising capital and outside of New York. um, I think that's where the biggest opportunity for investors, why it's exciting to hear that someone like you invested outside of New York because so many amazing markets like in the South, whether it's, you know, Atlanta, whether it's Memphis, whether it's Houston, like there's so many great founders there, but everyone's so like fixated on New York and California.
0: Agree a hundred percent. And, now I'm going to ask you to do something maybe counter to what you are, are used to, although I think you're, you're going to knock this one out of the park. I'm not a tractionologist, but I would, I would, yeah. but I would think that you have some quite a bit right now for get shit done. So if you did get an infusion of $1 million in funding, no strings attached, nobody's telling you what to do or expecting anything in return, how would you use that money?
1: Love that question. Um, I think the the first thing is um, really tackling the markets because for us, our our goal is to because we already we already get, I mean everything we do is organic traction. Like we don't we don't pay for marketing. I've never spent any money on marketing for get shit done at all. Everything's organic. Um, what I would do is figure out how can we get boots on the ground in these underserved markets such as North Carolina, Memphis or whatever to serve those founders because we all organically already get the New York, the the women that are used to being in are They're, they're trained to look out for these types of resources. And what I noticed is over time, because before I even started get shit done, I spent thousands of hours um, talking to now it's hundreds of women at this point um, over the course of, you know, it's almost three years now and I even noticed there's a difference in language in these different markets. So, for example, you will hear the terminology female founder being used way more in Cali, Chicago, um, in New York. But I noticed, like, in the South, there's a lot of women who have businesses and are founders, but they don't consider themselves founders. They'll say they'll say I'm a small business owner or I'm an entrepreneur or like it's, it's just a difference. So in itself, it's the context is different. So I think I would want to spend that money to learn more, um, but also, um, get boots on the ground for how do we continue, how do we continually learn here and get the right people in place so that we can make an impact because it's not one size fits all. We cannot approach founders in, you know, uh, a Houston or a Dallas, even though Houston's the fourth largest city, you can't approach it the same as New York. It's just not. It's not one size fits all.
0: That's a good point. Uh, well, we should definitely talk because nothing but Southern founders uh, in the network, so we can we can definitely connect. Uh, we can connect on that. The next question is: You can apply this to get shit done, or your earlier businesses uh, that you've run, uh, exited, continued to run, et cetera. And that's, what's the most profitable piece of advice that you've gotten since you've built your MVP? Since you first presented, since you first kind of closed somebody uh, on your initial product, uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten since then? Hmm, that's
1: a great, great question. Let me think, I would get so much great advice. Um. I think, I think the number one thing and like we what we preach to to our founders is get focused. And this is the funny thing. One of my favorite sayings is uh, I think I heard like TD Jake say this is like what you preach and what you teach is what you need to learn. And so. I constantly say like to our founders, like we hit this, we hit them over the head when they get into our accelerator, when they get into our community, we literally bash them over the head every day with focus, 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 because that's where we see results. When they feel overwhelmed, when we look at their frameworks for how they hit traction goals, I always tell them when you feel overwhelmed about one of your goals, it's because you added too much shit to it. So what ends up happening is is founders will put so much on their plate, like, oh, it's not that big, but you have like on the plate these many different meals happening at once. And so even myself, where I think the superpower, but also one of the disadvantages if we don't take care of it and nurture it is founders are visionaries. We can look ahead in such a beautiful way that no one else can. We can see so clearly to the point where I tell people, I'm like, for where gets You Done is going, I can taste it. I can touch it. I can feel it. every fucking Like what day.
0: you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for subscribing. And now, back to the show.
1: It is so unreal. Like, I know exactly where we're going. But the issue becomes that you have to do all the stuff before that. Before you can even get there. So it's how do you make sure that You're not trying to skip ahead and overwhelming yourself because it's easy to get overwhelmed and anxious because you you're like I'm like I see it but it's like you're not there yet. So what do you have to do right now to get there? And so I would say that's the best piece of advice I've gotten echoed to me from mentors, from coaches, from you know advisors who are just like you know yes you have this amazing grand plan and vision and i know you're going to be able to fulfill it but this is what you got to focus on right now you can't be everything to everybody and it was even becoming so unapologetic for who we serve too where at first and this is something i teach and preach all the time i was like well i don't want to leave the women who are like trying to start companies because we get those people who are like like we had female founder support week where we did like a whole live conference last week and We had one woman that was like a woman that said, you know, in Q&A, she was like, you know, well, do you guys have something for, you know, women who haven't launched yet, who are just kind of in idea phase? And I'm like, you know, we don't necessarily, but we, and we don't best serve you, but here's recommendations for who can serve you. That's why, again, we're not trying to be, we're not trying to do it all by ourselves. It can't happen. But I had to get to the point where I, I got comfortable and unapologetic about that because I even noticed where we saw the best results were for the women that we unapologetically serve. And that is, I mean, to this point, I can just say it. Like, out the, like, literally in my sleep, like, we best serve women entrepreneurs who are building scalable businesses with the potential to reach a million in ARR and beyond. That is who we serve. And I'm so unapologetic about it. But before, I wanted to serve everybody because I do believe that female entrepreneurs should have a fighting chance and should have um, – more resources, but we have to start somewhere. And it always reminds me of Amazon, starting with books, now they own your life.
0: That's good. And I'm, I'm sensing a bit of a uh, creative and artistic philosophical undertone. So this question syncs up right with that. And that's, which artist inspires your work?
1: Ooh, it depends on the day. Um, I think it, well, I think it depends on what you consider an artist, because I think there's, I mean, I consider entrepreneurs artists, right? Um, But in terms of if it's, like, music, depends on how the fuck I'm feeling. I am really inspired by if I'm on some, like, gonna run shit in generational wealth type of, you know, vibe, which I, I mean, I'm always on that vibe. Um, I'm inspired by how Jay-Z and Beyonce are approaching it in terms of how they take their platform and so strategically um, make sure that they are making the voices of Black folks, um, putting it at the forefront and using their platforms. And that inspires me so much because it also reminds me that in terms of what I'm building for Get Shit Done, it it always ties back to, even though we want to move women through the pipeline towards scaling million dollar enough companies, just going to a million is not, just saying a million is not enough for me it's not because a million sounds good it's what does a million mean it means that you are now creating a crop of people who have generational wealth you are now creating a crop of people who are participating fully in economic development it is so much bigger than just saying we're going to help women build million dollar and up companies because it sounds cool and it's lit it's like no what does that mean long term because if you look at the self-made women's list the majority of them, their wealth comes from dad, husband, or they are rihanna or serena Williams so basically, you need to be a pop star or you need to be a bionic athlete for you to get this money like that's this is this is so problematic so for us it's such a and I'm I'm such a systems thinker. So for me, it's so deep rooted in a system. How do we shift a system? It takes time. Um, so I'm really inspired by Jay-Z and Beyonce because they are systems thinker, even though the fact that they're so low key and they don't tell you their, their moves right out. Like, you know, you'll hear a Kanye or a Kim Kardashian and I think what they're doing is also important. They're more vocal about it, you know, showing you their moves. But Jay-Z and Beyonce don't need to show you their moves. They just pop up and say, we're here. And they're doing it in such an interesting way um them and then i think of entrepreneurs as i mean as artists so like i'm really inspired by lisa price of carol's daughter madam cj walker of course um rihanna as well like what does it look like to take your wealth and shift it and create more wealth for yourself because usually when you're in art like the brand it's the brand isn't necessarily for her, she understood that as an artist, that's not where I'm going to create my wealth. That's not where I'm going to generate my wealth. Um, it's really about what's that longevity? How do I own the the entire system? How do I own all the logistics? How do I cut out the middleman? That's where you get wealth. And every single artist who has gotten wealthy whether it's jay-z whether it's rihanna whether it's whoever um beyonce it's because they figured out how to own so many different parts of the value chain you can't just be one thing you have to own the value chain
0: i love that i really do uh now i, I kind of want to just you know we don't have to take it all the way back to, to childhood or nothing like that but how does being from seattle give you an advantage actually in new york city's local startup scene i mean a lot of people think if you're from the area it gives you sort of home field advantage but how does being from seattle position you and help you out as you continue to do your thing here in new york city
1: yeah um oh one more artist because i sent you this too ryan leslie yes ryan leslie i love ryan leslie he's genius um and so underrated but i digress there's so many um But in terms of being from Seattle, the the advantage for me, uh, and I don't know if it's because being from Seattle, I think it's just how I was raised. Um, I'm fortunate because, first of all, I came from a military family. By the time I was born, my dad had retired. But my mom ended up, we ended up moving to Houston for my middle, just three years from middle school, um, and while she went to law school. And The really interesting thing is I got super comfortable with starting over because then for high school, I had to move back. And so I got really comfortable being, having to start over and be in environments and kind of navigating and make new friends and kind of being like getting comfortable with uncertainty. Not saying I had uncertain circumstances. I came from a really, you know, pretty, my solid family. Like I've never experienced poverty, Um, but I got comfortable being uncomfortable because as a kid you kind of get used to like these are my friends and you know when you go to middle school like from elementary to middle school to high school like that's your crew right like I didn't have that I always had to start over so I think the superpower that gave me growing up is um I can I can operate in any environment like I go to on solo trips by myself for fun like I could travel around I was just in Brazil for New Year's by myself like I'm okay in that and I'm okay with meeting new people because I'm always curious. I'm always curious. I'm always watching the room. I'm always looking at people's body movements, their body language, what actually sparked them or whatever. And that gets me inspired. Um, but I think it was because of how I was raised and also because my family is so mixed up, like on both sides, like my dad's white, my mom's black, like both sides, most of the, the children married outside of the race. And so everyone's just like mixed up. So I think I just, I just grew up um, one seeing such diversity um, and then also coupled with the fact that I learned how to thrive in any environment because I knew that, you know, I can't just be, I can't stay comfortable because there's opportunity. And then also because when I moved around, I was like, actually, it's kind of cool. I meet new people. I've never had one group of friends. I think that's boring. Um, I'm, I'm a floater. I have a group. I have groups for different things.
0: Same. I could definitely relate to that. But as you mentioned, in your business, you got to be focused. So now I'm going to ask you if uh, we had to strip away everything that you've produced thus far. uh, And you can only keep one feature for Get Shit Done. Only one. One thing. What would that be?
1: Traction. Our traction frameworks.
0: Okay. So I guess that would take the form of... Are these just like templates? Is this your ideology? Is this like specific It's our methodology.
1: It's our methodology for how we move our, our founders through... How do they actually move through it? And it's like they're OKRs. Like, how do you get focused? And this methodology is like starting at your North Star. Let's start there. Where are you ultimately going? You work backwards. OK, what do you want to do by the end of the year? But what do you need to do this quarter? And it helps them holistically to see, oh, shit, if I don't make this happen right now, that 2020 goal going to pop and that North Star ain't ever going to be achieved. So like the way we get them focused in that accountability in our math- methodology too, because when they look at it, they there's no way around it. They're like, oh, it's like, first of all, it keeps you accountable. And second of all, it feels, for the, and I've seen it every time we walk through this framework, our founders just take this sigh of relief, like, oh my God. Not only do they sigh of relief, it's like this, i got, because they can see it so clearly. And then they're just like pumped up. And then if something doesn't work, they're like, okay, I can just go back to the framework and adjust and then just keep moving. Like we, I had a, it's Q2. This is the second day of Q2. One of our founders, we went over her, this framework for her for last quarter and she didn't even realize she was like, oh shit, I hit all my goals wow. because it's sub, it subconsciously like she not only hit her goals, like she had exceeded some because it held her accountable throughout the entire process to sometimes you're not even really, you're moving. It just, it It trains you. It it forces the habit to get you focused, and that's what that like that is the core, 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 core of what we do.
0: Love it. Okay, and if you want those KPRs, you got to come to get shit done to get it. But my guess is you weren't always where you are today. So why don't you just tell us name name a pivot that you think saved your company?
1: Um, I would say save the company. Because the thing is, I always knew we were going. Because I'm a one to many founder, um, but I think what saved it is realizing. Because I'm, I talk to our to my customer every single day. So we had the accelerator program. When I launched the accelerator, it was with the intention of we're going to serve women in a very high touch environment and make sure we move them through the pipeline towards scaling. Um, But with the intention that I knew it was going to be like an R and D arm of the company, because it helped us to stay always so closely tied to what's happening with founders and what actually moves the needle. Um, Now we have this um, traction membership community. We're going to be rolling out in the next few months and I was going to delay that more. So I'm the one thing that I would say that saved me because I talk to our customers every single day is as we have more momentum with everything we do and get shit done, people keep hearing about the accelerator. Like you said, you're like, I'm inundated with get shit done stuff. Um, So it's like, and that's like, not, I mean, I have people out of Cali that tell me that like, it's, you know, I hear this all the time and we do that on purpose. Um, But You know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I was like, okay, we'll just do the accelerator and then we'll lead up to this. And I was going to give myself more time, but it was just like, we have women literally knocking down our door. Like, how do I become a part of this? I want to be like, they're either too early for the accelerator or it's just not a good fit, but they still fit our criteria of who we best serve. And it's like, the only thing we have right now is the accelerator. So I'm just like, wait, we need to, something has to give. So it was like, nope, this needs to roll out much quicker than we anticipated, um, because I'm a one-to-many founder. And if I want to be able to increase the 1.7% to 10% by 2030, that means we have to move much faster.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So which, uh, which communities, uh, are sort of the most helpful in promoting your brand and your company?
1: Ooh, that's hard. Um, and I think that's a big reason why I started Get Shit Done, um, I had this conversation last week where the issue that I saw and what I heard from women when I was chatting with them and why I was like, this needs to be created. Because I didn't create, get shit done from, from you know, I just think this needs to exist. It was literally from thousands of hours, women telling me what their issues were. And when I started being in, like, let's say, you know, entrepreneur groups, um, especially for female entrepreneurs, the intention is I'm always amazing for the most part. The intention is always we want to be this resource, but the issue becomes that we're trying to serve everybody and there isn't really a focal point. And then I kept hearing from friends who are part of these groups or whatever, we would have these conversations where it's like, this thing here serves me best. And we'd be like, man, if they could just focus on that, they'd probably do even better. But it was just like, you know, First of all, people are like, we serve entrepreneurs. Oh, I hate when people say that because it's just like, but who? Because everyone, a lot of people consider themselves an entrepreneur. But what does that mean? Solopreneurs, people who are, you know, mom and pop shops, people who are building scale companies, that's another issue. Who we serve best as Get You Done is founders building scalable businesses. If you want to have a lifestyle company, not saying, lifestyle companies can scale. But typically the, in, the, the, intention of someone doing lifestyle is like they just want to have a comfortable lifestyle, but they don't need, they don't want all the headache that comes with scaling a business, all the employees, all the logistics, all the systems and processes, and they don't want that. So I'm like, that's not who we best serve. Um, And so what I saw is that there's these groups that have great intentions of wanting to serve, but not being very clear about why they're gathering. So one book that I'm obsessed with right now is The Art of Gathering, Um, and she talks about this. She was like, what's your purpose for gathering? Stop trying to take templates and then you create your own. It's like, but no, instead of saying, I'm going to create a Facebook group or a Slack group, it's saying, but why, first of all, why are we gathering people here? And what's the intention? What do we want them to walk away with? And typically the ones that do it well have a focal point. They're like, we're so good at this, and here's who we best serve. And that means that you have to be unapologetic about saying, actually, we're not the right place for you. But the issue becomes, especially in women's group because women are nurturers, we want to be for everybody. Come one, come all. And I'm like, no, no, don't come one, come all. Because we're not for you if you don't fit this criteria. However, love you, sis. I'm going to recommend you to this group over here that I think can best serve you. So I would say that I actually don't have a... a good answer for that. Um, I think that they're depending on what you need. If you want traction to your business, that's what I haven't seen yet and why we're building it. Um, but if you want connections, I think there's, you know, great groups out there, whether it's, um, dreamers and doers, um, whether it is the women founders community group on Facebook. Um, it just depends on what you need. What we see as a at, at get you done is we're, what we're building is, the ability to ensure that all of those groups are even further activated. Because let's say you get connected with a dope ass woman or other founder or whoever in these groups. But if your company's at a at a point where it's popping or it can really do much, you can't really activate those connections in a meaningful way. So for us it's like it's like the, the the tides rise together, right? So make sure our founders are good. And so when they are in those groups, they're like, oh shit, I know where to place you, sis. Like great connection. Now I need help on the partnership side because we're popping over here, or I need help on the customer acquisition side because we're popping over here. Like, it, for us, it's really about activating those things. So it just really depends on what you're looking for. But on the traction front, that's where I haven't seen. I'm I'm open to hearing if anyone knows of any. I would love to learn about those. See what they're doing.
0: Sounds good. Uh, so this this could be a, a quick one. And you know, I guess we're only a month into our friendship, so you don't feel pressure to, yeah. to layer on the compliments, but. How do you think D Tech can help your company?
1: Um, what I like about it from what I've heard so far is I like the fact that it's not um, bullshit networking. So what I've told you is there's so many networking events. There's so much where it's just like, uh, like first of all, I hate when I have to wear a name tag, and nothing's wrong with the name tag. Like, that's okay. I get it. You're trying to, but I actually purposely, when I go to events, do not wear a name tag. So people are forced to ask me my (laughs) day and like, we're forced to talk to each other. Um, but I think the intention is like, for for get you done. What we care about so much is access. And I like that you guys are providing access to, you know, groups, whether it's on the founder side where they're in markets that are typically ignored or, on the side of the investor where it's investors who are trying to get their feet wet that might not have, they're not privy to the game, you know, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access and get their feet wet. Um, So that's what I really like about what you guys are providing because it's approaching the system in a way where you're creating accessible points because at the end of the day, who you guys are serving, they're needed in this ecosystem. The founders in these different markets are absolutely needed because I'm so tired of just seeing in New York and Cali um entrepreneurs and I'm one of them. So I'm tired of just seeing myself. I'm also just tired of seeing the same type of investors. The ecosystem does better if it's diversified and if we have multiple voices so we can all rise together. So that's that's what I think I really like about not I think I know I like about what you guys are doing.
0: Awesome. Okay. Love that. Now and I want you to answer this honestly as if you had to answer this question, we get some amazing answers to this, not to put the pressure on anything, but do you want to run a billion-dollar company? Why or why not?
1: So this is so funny because I think you might have heard this um, at our last kickback. But Yvonne from um, New Age Capital, we went to this event, um, J.P. Morgan, um, Advancing Black Pathways and Forbes 8 put on. And we were basically judging these founders pitch us. And the first thing I asked, they're like, ask, like, get, be real. Speak how you speak to these founders. And the first thing I asked this founder, I was like, are you about this life? Because what does it mean to scale a business successfully? What does it mean to bring on capital? This shit you a legacy company, so I don't plan on bringing on capital. If I do, it's a strategic partnership. But I ain't going to have nobody tell me I have to exit within five to seven years because we are attacking a system. We ain't no surplus. If you're element.
0: enjoying the show so far, remember you can always enjoy the latest resources on our website at d-tech.fund. That's dtech.fund. Back to oh, the show.
1: You can't do this, this type of work we do within five to seven years. Um, so with that being said, absolutely. Like, it's really funny because, like, on my ceiling, I have a um, dollar bill and I just added all the zeros for a billion because that's the first thing when I wake up every morning I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for me is it always goes back to access. And what does access mean long term? For me, it means generational wealth. And generational wealth is important to me because it's not just for me and my kids, it's also for my family. It's also for everybody else. You know, it means I know when I do well, because at a certain point, it is literally proven that I think it's after what uh, $75,000 a year annually in salary, people aren't any happier you good, you know, and everything else is just added bonus. But what does it mean when you're able to acquire that level of wealth? For me, it means that I'm able to activate that in my family. So we have longevity, that we're able to make strategic moves in terms of ownership, in terms of having a stake in this world. But even outside of that, I know that that means I get to activate it and really serve underrepresented communities that are important to me, whether it's black people, whether it's women of color, or just other groups of people. Because again, it goes back to, you can't, it's not one size fits all. You can't talk to everyone the same way. So what does it mean to make sure that we're moving people through the pipeline and establishing wealth? What do those systems look like? What do those programs look like? And it needs to be tackled in a way that we're strategically thinking about it instead of just throwing up shit. And I think that means getting the right people in place, but it also requires capital. It requires being able to put the right people in place to run it. Because, again, I'm not trying to do this by myself. When Get Shit Done gets to that point, Like I I've so literally so clearly see this stuff. It's like once we get to certain levels in the company, I know when I need to step down and appoint someone else to fill my position where I take a board seat so that I can go And run this new component of the business because that means that we're able to spin off these programs So we're able to serve these different types of communities There needs to be more of us creating new systems where people that look like us can thrive We can grow and we can do well, but that requires me and you that requires other people that look like us to be able to shepherd more of us and into the door and to be those gatekeepers and open those gates so that we can thrive but Within the current system, that can happen. That means we need more people like the Jay Zs and the Beyonces. We need more people in the venture capital space that look like us. We need more entrepreneurs having successful exits. Um, So that's why it's important for me to do a billion. It's not for my my personal wealth because I'm so I'm so fucking frugal. Like I I don't even I think cars are awful fucking investments. Like, I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? I don't need a car. Like, I'm cool. I'm cool getting on the subway. I could be a... By the time I'm a billionaire, I I will still be on the subway because I think cars are garbage investments. (laughs) It's garbage. Like, for me, the wealth component is really about what can I do to activate others and provide access to others in a meaningful way.
0: Totally. Does it feel like we've come to the end? I mean, does it feel like the end for us? Because I just got one more, and then we'll let you go. And that is... (laughs) don't I'm, I'm probably most curious about this question. What is the most valuable thing, and you can't say traction, what is the most valuable thing that you do for your founders? Connections. Okay, okay, see? There it is. There it is. Connections.
1: So, I think it's, the, I, I sent you this, this is why I love Ryan Leslie, where yes. he was just like, Pause on that um, real
0: quick because I want you to know that not only did I watch the interview, but I have a super phone now and followed some of the other stuff that he's done. So is he was, done? Yeah, yeah, it
1: was I'm it was a fan. <laughs> Okay, I'm a fan. I actually texted that number, and I knew he wouldn't respond just to be like, basically, you're amazing, and here's what we're doing. I get you done, but it's cool. Like Ryan Leslie will be friends one day. Like it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even impressed, but <laughs> um, what he said was so important. He was just like, you know connections solve for capital and it's on two fronts. If you're a founder, it is on this side of which can also fall into attraction bucket. Um, connections. If you need an investor solve for capital, because that's usually how you get an investor through connections. It's all connections. It's literally all connection. That's why you keep seeing the same effing schools that are getting capital because all of them kind of dwell. It's so annoying. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm happy seeing more of a shift away from that. Um, and then the second thing is connections, meaning your customers, your clients, people actually paying for your stuff. The best investor you will ever have in your business are the people that actually use your product. I don't care if an institutional uh, investor gave you capital. The end of the day, if you don't have people buying your shit, you're obsolete. It doesn't matter. Connections, connections solve for capital. On the revenue side, on the investor side, always, and I think that's one of the biggest things we offer for our founders is connections. Whether it's connecting each other to each other, our network, um, yeah, connections.
0: That's good. That's good. You can have the traction back now. I didn't mean to handicap you too much. Oh,
1: it's okay because that <laughs> still ties the traction. It's cool. I always have a way around. You know what I'm saying? It is.
0: This is good, and it's been a it's good it's been a good interview. Obviously, for the bits and, and pieces, but also just. To get people to understand that there is something more important than capital. And I think that's something that's hard to really get your head around if you've never had it before. It's easy to say that once you've made it, how do you connect with people who are still fighting to get it? Uh, so yeah. I, I guess that that's it. Did you have anything for me before I let you go? Uh, you don't have to. You gotta have, but I wanted to you know, open it up if you wanted to.
1: Um, I guess my question for you is what is the, what's your purpose for gathering? Like, what's your purpose for gathering your, your community?
0: For sure. I think my purpose for gathering is, is one half, what you mentioned about the language, to make sure that there's a spot where people can both learn the language and contribute to it. We don't have name tags, but we have a welcome guide that links you to everybody that's in the room. So you have information. We give you all of that. But what you don't have is how are you going to, to interact with people outside yourself? That's the first half. And then the second half is uh, similar to what you said about the connections. I think because I'm from North Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Different from New York City where people don't stop. People look underneath logs and stumps, etc. So when I gather, I'm constantly looking for the person who's been overlooked. And those are the people who we want to attract. And if we get a critical mass of those people and sprinkle in people who have the connections, I think we can kind of flip the ecosystem on its head. So that's why we gather.
1: That's good.
0: It'll get better though, because eventually, you know, maybe I'll make your list and so you can help coach me. Cause every time we talk, you always hone in on what is my focus. So I hope. You <laughs>
1: try it. I like by tr- like, it's just like, um, I, I like, that's the, the coach in me, I guess. Like, I'm just like a, it's
0: weird. It is. I, I appreciate it. And, it, it's, uh, you know, I admire it as well. And so until the next time we actually get on the Google Hangout, I'm sure I'll see you on the Internet before then, though. Uh, so take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, That would help us too. Thanks again.